This scripture comes out of Psalm 27, verses 1 through 4. Please just read along with me here. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The Lord rise against me. In this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we open up your word and we read your word, we listen to your word, may your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts in and through by your word. You know our thoughts right now, Lord. You know our hearts. Only you do. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to just minister to our hearts today. Those who are hurting, comfort them. For those who sense their loss, may they understand as a child of God, they're not lost. Very much well aware of who they you are, who they are, and what you have for them. Encourage us all now, Lord, through your word, but also convict us, change us, mold us, shape us. Help us to grow in the knowledge and understanding, yes. But for a deeper love that you, we understand the deeper love that you have for us and our love for you and for one another. In Jesus' name, we all said amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. If you would open up your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 7, we'll be picking back up where we left off from last week. If you've been following along with this, very good. If you're just jumping in now and just joining us, I recommend you go back and catch up on the previous teachings so you know the foundation of understanding of this book. My favorite book. So you, once you get into this, you'll realize why it's my favorite book. It'll probably be your favorite book. But we find here, we're in chapter 7 of our journey here. I'm going to read through the verses. I think it's very important. And then we will take the time to go verse by verse for your understanding. In verse 9, we pick back up here, it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, worshipped God. What were they saying? Right here in verse 12, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. 
Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Father, your word is so powerful. Just reading through your word, Lord, minister to our hearts in these truths. These are truths that we must understand. These are truths that will be in the future, that you have prophesied, you've given great clarity to us to understand the things we need to understand for this life we live, and we live for this life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We have seen in chapter 7 the vision, two visions we will see in chapter 7, the first vision we took last week, the vision of the 144,000. The 144,000 Jewish virgin males who will be a little evangelist all around the world during the seven-year tribulation. Many people ask the question, as we saw in in verse 6, if you remember, take your eyes to verse 17. For the great day of his wrath, God's wrath, has come. And who is able to stand? Who will be saved? Who will survive? Who is going to make it through? How is this all going to happen? These are the questions that people ask about uh, the end times. Many people watch a movie and say the apocalypse is coming. The scripture as we get to that section is very clear what the apocalypse is going to be. The war that we're experiencing now and seeing around the world is not the apocalypse. It's not even the Ezekiel 38-39 war yet. But everything is setting up to be that. Draw near. Because during that Ezekiel 38 and 39, right about in between or so, we're raptured out of here. We're gone. We're going to be in heaven. And those who do not believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be left behind. That's going to speak to you of the next vision that we will talk about today in chapter 7. Those who are left behind, who choose not to believe Jesus Christ, put their trust in the the finished work on the cross by him for their life, will be part of an opportunity. Yes, you might be saved during that seven-year tribulation, but you do not want to take that risk. You do not want to be here during that time. You want to be saved today if you're not saved. You need to come back to Jesus if you've wandered. Do not take risks. Jesus is coming back, regardless of how you feel, regardless of how I feel some days. He's coming back in his timetable. He's not waiting and deciding based on you or me. You understand that, right? 
wait, 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 Lord, you can't come back today. <laughs> We've all said it. We've got things to do today. I assure you that birthday party is not that important. Now, dare may I say, even the wedding is not that important. We're the bride. That's what's most important. Are you part of the, the body of Christ? Are you the bride that the Jesus is coming back for? To have the big wedding feast in heaven. Now that's going to be a wedding. Amen? Amen. So we see here the second vision is going to be all about here, starting in verse 9. John sees a great multitude of people. These are Gentiles. The 144,000 were Jewish males. Here we see the Gentiles that are going to be saved. We call them the tribulation saints that will be saved through the tribulation. And we'll see this great multitude of people, these Gentiles, in a heaven perspective. You will see them coming into heaven after the seven years of great tribulation are complete. How do we know that? Well, we saw this group back in chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. Now this group, this great multitude is complete. At the time, in verses 9 through 11, they were not complete. They were under the altar. They were waiting. He says, be patient, wait. We're waiting for all of those who are going to be saved during that seven-year period of time. And at the very end, we will be bringing you to heaven. And you are going to be that, what we refer to as the tribulation saints. Those who got saved during that seven-year period of time. How did they get saved? Why didn't they get saved before? Well, some people are very stiff-necked, very rebellious, and they sit there and they know enough about Jesus. There's a lot of people know about Jesus, just like Satan knows who Jesus is, but doesn't mean they put their trust and surrender their life and ask for and repent of their sins and want to change and live for Christ to please them. That's a whole different thing. Are you with me? So what you have to understand is there are going to be people that you have been evangelizing as we should be. We're supposed to be little evangelists out there. We got saved. We got great news. I've been forgiven. I can't wait to tell you the good news. You get, you, you get, you get something new. You get a new, a new phone and you tell everybody about the good news. You, you passed your grades. You thought that was a miracle. You passed your, your high school grades and you tell everybody. You get a new car, you tell everybody. You're going on a trip, you tell everybody. It goes down the list of all these things that are important to you, you tell everybody about. Even strangers. You ever see that happen? We'll go in there and you're, on a, you're, on a, you're in the grocery store and you're in some line and something comes up and you're telling your kids the most important thing in your life at this point in time is all about the grandbabies. Oh, you want to show the grandbabies? Let me show the, you get the phone out. Oh, yeah, let me show your kids. And you're telling everybody about the great news. I've got grandbabies. And you tell everyone about the good news. What greater news than you being saved and that you, they can be saved if they're not? That's eternal. Everything we've been all excited about is all temporal. But the good news of being able to be saved and go to heaven and have hope and a promise for eternity, what greater news could you not be sharing in the grocery line or at work or in your own house? Or family circle, fam friend circle. What could be more non more important? Well, not only are you been sharing people, and they've been saying, "No, no, no, I don't want to hear anymore. I've had enough. You're not invited to Thanksgiving this year. As long as you do not talk about Jesus, you can come to the Thanksgiving. Okay? We'll try you to come to the Thanksgiving this year. 
Have you ever had that happen to you? Can't come to Christmas because you're talking about Jesus too much. Has that ever happened to you? But there's also going to be two witnesses in the end times that's going to be used by God to be a witness of who he is. We're going to see 144,000. We will not. But they will see 144,000 evangelists out there talking about Jesus. Angels are going to spread across the, the known skies and they're going to be preaching about Jesus. And then during that period of time, those people who are were going into the tribulation, those who were born in the tribulation of those seven years, those who under, can understand, are going to hear about Jesus, and they have to give their life to Jesus. This is the great multitude that we're talking about that are going to give their life to Jesus. Now, as we study this, understand this great, the Lord told Abraham that his people would be a blessing. The, the nation of Israel, that's why we pray for Israel, because he says his people are going to be a blessing and, and it will be multi, they were going to be multiplied. And I will multiply your descendants as those of the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashores and your descendants shall possess uh, the gate of the, the, their enemies. We see that in Genesis twenty two seventeen. But then he says in verse 18, and all the nations on the earth will be blessed because of the nation of Israel. The Jewish nation is going to be a blessing to you and I as the Gentiles. From the beginning, God's plan of salvation has always involved a massive global plan to reach the world. Because he died on the cross for the sins of the world. He was not leaving anybody out. But he's going to, he used his people in the beginning to be a witness of who God is. He now brings in the Gentiles. We were able to be grafted in. And at the end time, he's going to bring Israel back to be the witnesses again to the world during that seven year period of time. So we see here in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, And after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number. Notice, could not number. Many people say the great multitude might be the 144,000. You just numbered them. So obviously you, that's not true. I mean, you can't keep it nice and simple here. There's so many. Millions are going to be saved. It's going to be the greatest revival, the greatest awakening during the seven-year period of time. Why? Because it will be so clear of who Jesus is and who he's not. You can't play Christianity during the seven years. Because everyone who's left behind will have to make a decision. Are you going to worship the Antichrist, Satan himself, to take a mark of the beast, or you're not? And when you realize, you understand that everybody, your, your annoying cousin, you, who kept telling about people about Jesus, and how they need to, you need to give your life to Jesus, repent of your sin, and change your... It's going to flood back in their minds and go... My crazy cousin was right. Oh no. He's gone. He just disappeared. No one knows where he went. I was, what? Can you imagine? I sometimes, my head goes this way, it's a little squirrely. Can you imagine you're sitting there telling people they know you, you've shared their gods, you're, you're sitting around the Thanksgiving table with all your 
lost family who told you not to tell them, don't talk about Jesus around the table, and no, you're not praying about the food. And in the twinkling of an eye, you're gone. Hello? You imagine what your family's doing now? Hello? Are you with me? They're the ones that are going to realize you were right. You were, you were talking the truth. They thought you were crazy. But you were right. It, this rapture, it happened. They're not Thanksgiving anymore. You understand that that won't be a Thanksgiving dinner. Do you realize that, that, that everything changes then? Well, notice here, this great multitude who are going to be saved comes from all the nation's tribes and peoples and tongues. There's not, there's, it, it, it affects everyone. It's not just one class or group of people out there. Satan may want to try to say that. Oh, you know, there's certain people, certain groups and stuff. They're never going to get saved. Don't listen to that satanic speaking. The scripture is very clear. God is reaching all nations. I don't care if you're a tribe in the middle of a jungle, the angels flying over, however, they're God is going to reveal himself to all people, everyone. And notice here that, again, these are not Jews. These are not the 144,000. These are Gentiles, many people. Why? This is a very important. Why? Because remember, Jews are one people. These are across all nations, all people. That's why these are Gentiles. These are not Jews. Very clear in the scripture. Jews are one people. We're talking about this group represents all people, all the nations and tribes across the board. And it's this diversity is as evidence that the Great Commission will be fulfilled before the end, even as Jesus promised back in Matthew 24, verse 14. And because John knew they came from different nations and tribes and peoples and tongues, we know that there will be, a, be differences among the people, you and I, in heaven. We're not all going to look the same and clone. We're all going to be the differences in heaven here. We will not all be the same. We will continue to be distinct individuals that God created. That does not change. We're all distinct people today, and there'll be all distinct people there, but in unity of oneness. Why? Why? Because we're children of God. See, and the enemy will try to divide and conquer in diversity down here because we don't want to have, but we're to have, we're to have diversity, but unity in Christ here. That's why we call it the church family, the body of Christ. But why are so many people out there who call themselves Christian still divide over diversity? Very simple. They're demonic. They're speaking not from God. They're speaking from the darkness. That's why there's diversity of division. Let me rephrase it. There's why there's division over diversity. Because they do not speak of God's word. God's word is clear. We are a child of God. We are one. We're in unity. Amen? It's very simple. But when the enemy gets in there and tries to divide and conquer, it's very confusing and very destructive. That's how the enemy wants to be. But when we're in heaven, none of that's going to be anymore. Isn't it going to be great? We're in unity. We're in heaven. None of that, that division is going to happen. None of it. 
I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. But they're standing here, this great multitude, before the throne and before the Lamb. Again, John saw everything in heaven in reference to the throne of God. What is happening in this scene here? This is what he's looking at. And he notices this great multitude clothed in white robes. The robes as a reminder of the covering of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But also the priestly service. The serving of God here. And they're, white, they're wrapped in these, these white, these white uh, um, uh, robes. And it's only by the fact that they were given, they were clothed by Jesus. His righteousness is the only way we can get that. You can't do it out of works. You can't do it on your own effort. Only by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, then you can then have the righteousness of Jesus Christ wrapping you. They also here notice with palm branches. Palm branches is a form of an instrument of worship here. They're reminding of us of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. If you remember in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 16, remember the scene here. The Sunday before he went to the cross, where he's coming down the, the road from Bethany to Jerusalem. He's going down into the Kindred Valley and back up to, to the Temple Mount there. And while he's coming down from Bethany, down into the valley there, Jesus made his descent from the Mount of Olives on a donkey, if you remember the story. And the disciples, the followers, were there with what? Palm branches talking about victory. The king, the king has arrived. He's going to free us from the Roman Empire. They're going to be giving us this freedom. And they were doing the palm branches showing of the fact that he's going to be the king and have victory. What were they saying? Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna means what? Salvation, salvation, salvation. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They understood he was going to save them. But they didn't fully understand, did they? Yes, Jesus is going to save you. But not the way they thought. They thought they were going to just get out of the Roman oppression at the time. No, no, he's coming back to save their souls. The Messiah comes back to save the souls of man and woman. Has he saved your soul? Have you repented and given your life to Jesus and been saved, been born again? Have you? That's a deep question you must ask yourself. Do you have that assurity and the, the peace of knowing that you're saved? Because you put your trust in Jesus Christ? No more, no less. Just faith in Jesus only. So we see these branches and they're saying the word Hosanna, salvation. It means save now, save now. Blessed he be in the, he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save now, save now. This is what they wanted here. And it's through these palm branches, a symbol of victory, this great multitude celebrates this victory that they have now in heaven. They have palm branches we have victory. We, he has saved us through this seven year of hell on earth. He has saved us. How thrilling that must have been. What else are they saying? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
It's their confession. What brings someone to worship God but through the confession of truth, the fact that salvation can only come from God and from Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. That's the truth. That's the only way you can be saved. There is no other way to be saved. And these great multitude understood the only way you can be saved is salvation belongs to God and who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's, salvation is not something we earn. It is something God gives. It's a free gift. It's that gift of grace. He offers it to all people. But not all people want to receive that gift from him. They reject the gift of salvation. Have you received the gift of salvation? Have you? Have you gladly received the gift of salvation? Sometimes believers on earth take their salvation almost for granted. Yeah, I'm saved. Yeah. I did that. I don't remember when, but I did it. I think, I think my parents made me go to Sunday school. and It really made them happy I was going to get my treat if I gave my life to Christ. And if I got baptized, then I really got a double treat. And, but somewhere in my young kids. I don't, I, but, but have you been living for Christ ever since then? No. <laughs> have you been in habitual sin? Yes. Well, then... The scripture is very clear. If you're in a habitual sin, you're not saved. It was just an emotional experience that you had. Nothing changed in your life. When you give your life to Christ, your life changes. From the inside out. It changes. Has that happened in your life? Because some people who did get saved, they take it for granted. But it's not true for the great multitude here. They don't take their salvation for granted. They're, they're in heaven. They just realize what they just went through for seven years. And based on the language here, majority, if not all of them, were probably beheaded and martyred because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Because they did not take the mark of the beast. They had to now run. They could not buy, sell, or do anything without that mark. They're barely surviving, and people were hunting them down because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Because they were rebelling against the Antichrist, the world leader in this world at that time. And they're being hunted down and they're dying for their face so now they're coming into heaven they're not taking their salvation for granted matter of fact they are thrilled to life the great multitude is absolutely thrilled to be saved and be in heaven because they know they had another opportunity that they might have refused when you offered them to be saved and, and you pointed to Jesus and they who are you Cousin, I don't, I don't, you know, mom, dad, grandma, granddad. I, I know grandma, you've been trying and praying. You say you're praying for me constantly, constantly, constantly. Grandmas, grandpas, keep praying for your kids and your grandkids. Keep praying. Because they might be, if they don't give their life today, they, they, they will be very clear with that grandma and grandpa knew what they were saying. 
when they're sitting there going through very difficult times in those seven years. And they will be thrilled that God, through his grace and mercy, gave them another opportunity to give their life to Christ during that seven-year truth. They're going to have to die. For See, you and I, if the rapture happens right now, you and I do not die. We are just boop, into heaven in the presence of God. We physically didn't die. Those who died yesterday, they were absent from the body in the presence of the Lord. This is all good. They're in the presence of the Lord for eternal life. But what happens is, is that we did not have to die. Most of us don't have to die. For our sins. You and I do not die for our sins. Because we put our trust in Jesus Christ as the one who purchased you. You and I, we put our trust in him. He died for your sins on the cross. It should have been you on that cross dying. But no, he took your place for you and me. This great multitude will have to die for their sins. Right? I mean, they're literally going to be martyred. Like today, many, many thousands that you never hear about are being killed and martyred for their faith in other countries. You just never hear about it unless you're connected to what's happening in Africa and in Asia and other places. Then you, you do know how, much, how many people are actually dying for their faith. They, many people, we, we're blessed. We can freely, openly come here. We, matter of fact, we want everyone to know we're coming here to gather together. We have no problem. We're not, we're not sneaking in the back door. We're not hiding in a dungeon where it's all dark and no one knows and you're secretly getting together together in little places because you're for fear of people finding out and dying for your faith. Are we not thankful that we get to come here freely and worship our God? crank up the sound, it can go around the neighborhood. We're not worried about anyone knowing that we're here worshiping Jesus. That's not true across the world. And in these end times, it will really not be safe to declare your faith in Jesus and rebel against the Antichrist because they're going to kill you for it. And so when we see this, this group is absolutely thrilled. They're not taking it for granted. They are so committed to an understanding of the grace of, and mercy of God, giving them an opportunity to be able to be saved to go to heaven. Are you saved? Are you saved? They just went through the great tribulation. But I assure you, when you and I get to heaven, we'll be even more thrilled, won't we, that? We'll be so thrilled once we're in heaven, just like those we see in the great multitude. And then what happens here is they join in the rest of us who are up there right now. Because remember, the church is already up there in heaven. Now this great multitude is added, and they're going to be doing what with us? We're going to be worshiping. Look at him, verse 11. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. What were they saying? Amen. So be it. 
This is truth. What's the truth? We see a sevenfold worship here. Sevenfold blessing that he, they're stating right there in heaven. What's the sevenfold blessing? Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Seven blessings they're praying out to be to, be to our God forever and ever. They're, they're just a blessing of, over God of what is happening forever and ever. So be it. It's a beautiful blessing here that they're just singing and saying, I should say, out to the God who saved them. That's how thankful and grateful they are. Blessing. Glory. Wisdom. Thanksgiving. Honor. Power. Might. The sevenfold blessing of thanksgiving this great multitude brings to God. See, because they see more clearly now than they ever have in their whole entire life. They see it more clearly in the power and the wisdom and the majesty of God. Now, before they were rebellious of God. Now, in, their, in the seven-year period of tribulation, their eyes are open to the truths of God. And now they're sitting there and understanding, and they're just pouring out their hearts of just recognizing the wisdom and the power and the glory and the honor that God deserves. My brothers and sisters, we should be saying that blessing to our God now. We're saved. We're going to heaven. It can happen at any time. We should worship him now. That's our, why we worship in song. That's why we worship in studying of the word. That's what our prayer life should be. Is it pouring out of blessing from our heart of understanding who God is. He should get all the blessing, all the glory, all the honor, all the wisdom, with thanksgiving, power, might. This is who he is that we worship. See, they see clearly what's going on because they see God now on the throne. But look at here in verse 13. And then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? It's not a question he's asking the Apostle John. He's asking the question because I believe the, this elders looked at the, the face of John and John's like going, where did this group come from? I just saw the multitude up here. I see the elders around the throne. I see God. I see, I see Jesus. I see all these things going on. And where all of a sudden this great multitude shows up. They were under the altar. Now they're in the presence. What, what, you could probably see his nonverbal and the elders saying, Do you know who these people are? Look what John's response is. Because this is important. Because if you remember when we studied in chapters 4 and 5, he knew exactly who was the elders. He knew exactly who the, um, the church was in, in heaven at that time. He recognized who they were. But now this group he doesn't recognize. And so his response in verse 14, I said to him, Sir, you know. <laughs> I know you're asking me a question. But I know you now. Because he didn't know. And so what did the elders say? So he said to him, These are the ones who come from the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. See, the word here in the Greek of 
come out of the great tribulation, that come out is words that are used to talk about a prolonged process. Not like the rapture, which is sudden, that we see keep you from back in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, when he was talking about the church of Philadelphia. I'm going to keep you from. It's going to be an instant. Keep you from it. Here, he's speaking to and letting him know this is a come out of. It's a prolonged process. Remember in that chapter 6, he says, you're right now... People have been getting saved through this seven years. Hold, hold, hold. Just be patient. Wait, 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 wait. Because at the end of the seven years, all of those who are going to give their life to me will be complete and I will bring you into heaven. Now we see the great, the great uh, multitude right here. It's complete. All those who are going to get saved through the great tribulation has been complete and now I'll bring up into heaven. These will be the martyrs. These will be the ones who made it through because of the fact that they did not turn to the Antichrist and take a mark. They chose to believe and to trust God would bring them through this horrific period of life. The seven-year period of time will be prolonged, come out. They'll be troubled. During this great tribulation. But this multitude will make it through that seven year period of time. Now, the presence of so many tribulation saints is a powerful statement of God's grace and mercy. Did he have to save anybody during that seven years? He didn't have to, but he desired that all would come. To the saving grace. All would, be, would choose to follow him. Choose to trust their, their, put their life, their trust in him for their salvation. To repent of their sins. To turn away from their wicked ways. And they were washed they were dirty, they were in darkness, and all of a sudden he comes in and God is, brings, because of his blood, Jesus' blood, the blood of the Lamb will wash over, it cleanses us. By the blood of Jesus cleanses us and saves us because of Christ and the cross. They believed who Jesus truly is. Do you believe who Jesus is? Do you believe he died on the cross for your sin? Do you believe he was buried for three days and raised from the dead? And it lives and reigns in, in heaven on the right, it sits at the right hand of the Father. Do you believe these truths that we see in the scripture? Do you? Because if you do, you're saved. You're going to be saved. We're also not only saved at a period of time when you acknowledge the knocking at the door of your heart, you're receiving of the gift of grace, but then there's a period of time as you grow and mature the sanctification process where you are, we are being saved. Because our ultimate end game is when we are in heaven, when we die now because our bodies give out and he says this is the day you're going to die or the rapture and takes us out then our salvation will be complete in Christ because we'll be in the presence of him in heaven 
do you believe? John knew this elder knew who this group was. He sees what is playing out. He just didn't know them at the time because this was, he didn't know this tribulation. He didn't understand the truths. Remember, the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, the apostles didn't understand this great multitude that would be saved through the tribulation. Now, many people confuse and think this, this great multitude is the church. Some people think the church is going to be raptured halfway through or at the very end, post-tribulation. But I, I, I don't see that. I believe that we're going to be raptured out and the church will be gone before the tribulation takes place. But there will be more people getting saved because of reality, of recognizing they've been, they've been, they, they rebelled and now that rebellion is going to cost them. But they still can get saved. So let me give you a couple of examples why I, I don't see the great multitude and the bride of Christ, you and I, the church, are the same thing here. Why? Because the great multitude that we see here is not the same. Why? Because they see in the scripture, verse 9, that they are standing before the throne. Whereas the church, the bride of Christ, we see back in chapter 3, verse 21, is, is, sits around the throne. The great multitude here, we see in verse 15, comes and serves the Lord day and night in the temple. You and I, the church, the bride of Christ, is actually served by the Lord. Remember, he's making a great table for us. We're, going to, we're the bride. We're going to be celebrating. He's going to be, we're going to be there worshiping, yes, but he's, we see Luke 12, verse 37 is a reference of that. The great multitude comes and standing there and has palm branches of showing a victory. But you and I, the bride of Christ, we receive crowns. We do not have palm branches. We receive crowns. So I see these are two different groups. Therefore, verse 15... They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. So here they are in heaven, the redeemed, enjoying the immediate presence of God. They've been relieved from the hell on earth moment in their life. They've been freed and now no longer having to deal with all the pain and suffering. They can now come to the throne of God by the grace of God and be with God. And there are no barriers. There's no waiting list. There's no, you know, let's check your credentials before you. No. When you're saved, you, you're brought right into Christ. The presence of God. These saints knew affliction. They knew affliction on earth. And now they're saved from it. But understand, my brothers and sisters, the affliction didn't save them. Their affliction did not save them. It was Jesus and the relationship of faith with him that saved them. Just like you and I. You are not saved by your works. It's not being saved because of your persecution, because of your faith. You're not saved because of your identity with a Christian family or because of a Christian organization called a church. That doesn't save you. 
You're only saved by faith in Jesus Christ and who he is. But while they're there, they're going to be serving him day and night in heaven. They're redeemed to serve God. And God will dwell with them. That's why we read there in Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire into his, in his temple. Do you desire to behold the Lord? Why? Because this is tremendous good news for these people. This great multitude is great news for them. Why? He says right there in verse 16, they shall neither hunger. Through the seven-year tri period tribulation, they hungered because they couldn't buy food. Remember, they didn't take the mark of the beast. They had to scavenge for food to survive. No, nor thirst anymore. They couldn't even find water, good water. Why? Because remember, the seals have been opened up. What you know today is going to be destroyed by the wrath of God. The seals are going to be opening up. Remember, one-fourth of the entire population has been wiped out. Then you had all the pestilence and diseases and all the other things have come after the wars and all because of those things and the, the blood of the water and all these things that we're going to be studying between the, the, the seals and the trumpets and the bulls. This is not, this is not an easy... Some, of the, some people who are preppers... They think, okay, I've got my little, you know, some of the billionaires are building their little castles in the middle of caves in, the, in Australia. I think that's the safest place. They think they got it all and they're going to be able to survive all this. They are absolutely been fooled. They've been bewitched. They, are, they have no clue what the scripture tells them. All these billions, I mean, they can't have someone in their, their team that could probably, get, no doubt in my mind, God has sent them, you know, little evangelists, you, to talk to even the billionaires, to tell them that billions are not going to save you. Your little castles you're building in, in your little prepper you, in, the, in the mountains and in, the, in your little place you built up in the, in the, in the mountains are not, not going to save you. But through there, you see the great, the great multitude. They hungered. They thirst. God is changing the intensity of the sun during this period of time, it is going to strike them. The sun will strike. You think it's bad in the south today. And you pray for sun up here in the north today. During the tribulation period, the sun will be so intense. The heat will be so intense. Here they've been relieved from all of that. Now they're in heaven. Verse 17, for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them. Not only is he the lamb who spilt his blood to be able to cover your sin, he is also going to shepherd them, you and I and them, and lead them to living fountains of water. You'll never thirst again. Coming to Jesus today, you will never have to thirst again. Thirst for what, Pastor? thirst for because you're lonely you thirst because you don't want to be hurting anymore your thirst to be valued 
your thirst to be identified, your thirst to overcome your past. Fill in the blank. What are you thirsting for? Coming to Jesus solves all of that. He's your all in all. You must come to the point in your walk with Jesus that Jesus is all in all. So whatever you're finding, there's an emptiness or something that you're struggling with. Come to Jesus today. Yes, I know you're saved. But you're still struggling in certain things. There's still giants in your life. There's still uncertainties in your life. There's things you, you and I must continue to grow in our understanding and our certainty of Jesus Christ is our all in all. There is no one else or no other thing or no organization that's going to save you and help you. The great counselor, Jesus himself, the power of the Holy Spirit, can minister to you. He's the great helper, is he not? That the Father said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you and me. You have help. Regardless of how you feel, you have help. Come to him today. The lamb in the midst of the throne will shepherd you and lead you and I to the living waters. Living fountains of our fresh water, fresh, always. And what is he saying to them? Here he's comforting this great multitude. He says, I'm leading you to fresh waters, no longer thirsting. I'm going to shepherd you. What does the shepherd do? I'm taking you from pastor to pastor to green pastures, to green place, to feed upon. He's no longer going to hunger. You're no longer going to hunger. You're no longer going to thirst. The sun is not going, and the heat is not going to overcome you. Why? And all this pain and suffering you went through seven years, I am going to wipe away every tear from your eyes. In heaven, we're not going to have tears of sorrow and tears of pain and tears of frustration or tears. Fill in the blank. What causes your tears today will not be the case in heaven. That's the promise we have. We have that as the church body. We also have those even during the great tribulation for those who you're grieved over because they refuse to give their life to Christ today. Pray. If you're raptured out of here today, wouldn't that be great? Go from one feast into the heavenly feast. It's, it's, it's going to be great. But the Lord knows when. We don't have to worry about when. Just stay faithful to him daily as he takes us through the daily walk of living for him. Amen? He is telling the great multitude, and he tells us today, he will provide every need that we have. Will you go to him and give him and let him know what your needs are? Because he knows them, but he wants to hear from you. What is your needs? What's making you cry? I love Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. 
It's powerful verses if you're struggling in your mind right now of your past. The promise we see here, he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. We will not remember those things that cause us to weep. They'll be gone. Are you excited about that? I certainly am. Let me wrap up here with this. As you and I continue to study my favorite book, I hope it's your favorite book, we'll see angels flying across the sky. We will see two witnesses. We'll talk about who I believe those two witnesses are in front of Jerusalem. But they're preaching the gospel. We will see the 144,000 evangelists, missionaries going out across the world. Suddenly the great multitude of Gentiles appear, which no man could count. The great awakening, the great revival that will take place during those seven years. They will turn to the Lord, and what a beautiful scene this is. But their repentance could very well cost them their lives because they choose to follow Christ during this seven-year period of time and not to take the mark of the beast. They're loyal to the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to declare war on these people. And some today would say, I will decide to be saved when I see the tribulation if it's really real. That's foolish. But I've had many people over the years I will see. I just don't, I, I can take it or leave it right now. It's no big deal to me. I, I'll, I'll see it when I believe, I'll believe it when I see it. You're talking to someone who is not in the right mind. I'm sure it's not any of you. None of you in your mind right now are saying, Pastor, I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. I know, after, after, after reading the word and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I know you're not saying that. But you're going to come across people at your workplace and at home and other people and over around Thanksgiving coming up who are going to say that to you, potentially. But some today will say, I will decide to get saved when I see the tribulation really happening. If I'm martyred, it'll be worth it. I can live my life however I want to. Then I'll give my life to Christ during the seven-year period of time. Yeah, I'm going to die for it. No big deal. I'm going to go to heaven. You're taking a great gamble that you actually will give your life to Christ. The pressure will be so great when you're thirsty and you're starving to death and your family, you can't get health care for your kids. You can't get food for your kids. You can't get water for your kids. You can't protect your kids, your wife, your husband. You, many, will buckle out of fear, under the pressure of what the Antichrist will do. Second Corinthians 6.2 says, understand today's the day of salvation. Today's the day. You haven't given your life to Christ as we pray. Give your life to Christ. Surrender all. Repent. Repent. It means turn around. Walk away from whatever sin is gripping you. Jesus can save you. Amen? Don't wait. 
Do not wait until you see everything happening with your physical eye. Be a man or a woman of faith. Be part of the bride of Christ. Be spared from the wrath of God that's going to come down upon this earth. If you've never trusted the Savior, do so now. But if you have trusted Jesus and you are saved, and you've gone a little squirrely, you've gone off the path and going back to the worldly things, repent and come back. And then go out and share the good news with those around you that have no hope. Give them the hope that you have. And that hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. I pray right now, Lord, if there's anyone here that's you've spoken to and touched their heart, I pray right now they're crying out to you. I pray they're crying out and say, I repent, I repent. I, God, forgive me of my sins. I put my trust in you, Jesus, as my Savior for the rest of my life. I will not turn back to my cardinal, cardinal sinful ways. I want to live for you, honor you, and worship you and of every ounce of my body, Lord. Be my Lord, be my Savior for this day forward, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.